Welcome to Hope for the Heart. I'm so glad you're uh, back with us today. If you've uh, been with us in the past, if you're not, then I welcome you to this study on the book of Revelation. We are going to uh, have as our context today, I'll read that to you in just a minute. We're in Revelation chapter 5, and our context today is Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 through 14, where this will finish up this chapter, and then we'll get into chapter 6. Now, I know most people have, many people have come to me and said chapter 6 is where the real meat of Revelation begins. Uh, I don't know whether that's true, but things do change in chapter 6. Chapter 6 through first chapter 19, or chapter 6 through chapter 19 is basically the tribulation period and the great tribulation period and all of the 21 different judgments that will be poured out upon the earth. So we're going to see a lot of action in here and, uh, Take a look at a lot of the signs that will be coming uh, to anticipate this kind of a coming. So I want to uh, get ready to, uh, now to read the context for the thing. And it's found in Revelation chapter 5, verses 9 through 14. And again, this is our, we're continuing our verse-by-verse study. And I uh, again welcome you. Uh, my name is William Rogers, and I welcome you to this broadcast. All right, Revelation chapter 5, I'm going to begin reading in verse 9. If you want to follow along, I'm in the New American Standard Version, and uh, you may want to choose a different version to listen. Uh, Verse 9, the Word of God reads, And they sang a new song, saying, Worthy art thou to take the book and to break its seals. For thou wast slain and did purchase for God with thy blood men from every uh, every tribe and every tongue and people and nation. And thou hast made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Verse 11, And I looked, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and the living creatures, and the elders. And the numbers of them were myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Verse 13, And every created thing which is in the heaven and on the earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in them, I heard saying, To him who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb be blessings and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen, and the elders fell down, and they worshipped. What an uh, unbelievable section. Uh, What an unbelievable view as we look at this, as what John sees in heaven. Remember, he's been called up to heaven, and he is witnessing this. He is seeing this. He's been transported there to look into the future to see something that will happen. Now, this is not a a guess or a a hunch that this will happen. This is absolutely certain that it will happen exactly like this because this is a scene in heaven. And so as we look at this, we, we begin to realize that we have a tremendous anticipation on the part of the redeemed. Uh, and the raptured elders, or that represents the church, as they as they strum on their har- their harps, and they're all saying that prophecy uh, uh, has has ever indicated, has ever been indicated or preached to come to pass is about to happen. So as they, as it were, hold the bowls of incense. This is found in verse eight that we looked at last week. Uh, the bowls and the incense rises, which is the prayers of the saints. It says they are the they are sayings of all that the saints have ever prayed in the terms of the ultimate and final redemption is about to come to pass. 
Uh, and so both the prophetic promises of God and the prayers of the saints are indicated in the harps and the bowls. That's what last week was basically all about. So this is a tremendous eagerness on the part of the saints in the past, and there is today. There's an eagerness to, to want to know when the, when, when the, the times are going to change, when is Christ coming back, when is there actually going to be a kingdom. And so we, we look at this section with great anticipation to what is uh, in, in the context for, the, for today, which is beginning in verse 9. So here are the redeemed, the 24 elders, holding harps and golden bowls. Uh, angels are here. They do it best, or they do it. Uh, it's at its best with the 24 elders, and the symbolism is simply this, that all that your church has ever promised through Scripture and all that has ever been prayed for is now about to come to pass. Now, it's not going to come to pass in this song and in this context. It's going to begin to come to pass in chapter 6 through chapter 19. All the anticipation of the Scriptures, all the believing, the, the, the hoping and the prayers, all that believers have cried out to deliver them from sin and disease and Satan and flesh and demons and the curse of the universe, all that prayer has gone up for centuries and centuries for God to act. And so we're at this point. We're at the point where that's all going to be answered and that's what the anticipation is as we get to uh, verse 8 and we come into verses 9 through 14. I want you to notice just a couple of things as we, as we kind of un- begin to unwrap this. In verse 9, look at what it says, And they sang a new song. Well, notice again, it's a new song, and I don't want to belabor every word, but I can't get past this. They, who is they? Because you read verse 8 and you're not real sure who the they is actually is look at verse 8 again and they had and when he had taken the book and the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb uh, and so then it says they in verse uh, uh, 9 so they it could possibly include all that were mentioned in in, in chapter 4 or 5 uh, some have even said that but again it could be restricted and I think it is restricted and I don't want to go into all that is here because of the the time permitting, but I I really believe this is restricted to the 24 elders representing the raptured church at this time. I think this is their song. Certainly the four living creatures we found back in chapter 4 and verse 8 are doing and and bringing praises to the Lord. They're all here, and angels are included in all of this. And yes, the angels are there. The cherubim are there. And there is an ensemble of a of, of, of mixture between music and, and singing and sayings happening. But I want you to notice that in verse uh, 8, it says that, uh, that when he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lamb, having all of this. And then it says in verse 9, and they sang a new song. And so whoever this is, and I'm proposing that it is the raptured church, the 24 elders, sing this song. But when you get down to verse 12, and you, you, you have as the backdrop to that verse 11, and I looked and I heard the voice, and listen to this, the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures, those are the uh, angels and the living creatures are the cherubim, and the elders and the numbers of them were myriads and myriads and thousands and thousands. Look at what verse 12 says, saying with a loud voice. Verse 13, and every creature and then it goes on to talks about all the creatures everywhere. Look at what it says. I heard them saying, and then in verse 14, and the four living creatures, or the cherubim, saying. And so there's a difference between singing and saying, and I don't want to 
really get into too much of this, but angels were told are there and they're 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 talking or speaking this and they're participating in this praise. Uh, you say, well, wait a minute, don't the angels sing? Well, we know that because the Bible says, and I've had people say to me, and I know I've heard several other teachers say this, well, the Bible says, hark, the herald, angels sing. Well, that, that's part of a song. That's not a quote from the Bible. And so people tend to think angels sing, but this is, uh, this is not a verse. It's not a, a song that they sing. Uh, there's nothing in the Bible that says angels sing. And that may surprise you. It may not. Some of you may have heard this together. Uh, but the uh, angels, it never talks about them singing. So you go and, and you, you like you look at Luke chapter 2, and suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, and uh, sometimes we want to read that they were singing. But the redeemed are always spoken of as singing. Uh, we, we can't uh, say for sure that at creation when the morning uh, stars sang together that it did mean the angels were singing or that their song was a song like our song. But they, the redeemed are referred to as singing. The angels are referred to as speaking or saying. And so we come into this, you say, well, what difference does it make? Well, it really doesn't. I think there's some truth in the fact that the Bible is filled with indications of the redeemed singing, but no indication specifically of angels singing. Uh, and I, I won't go into, I'm not going to get too much into that because I think that's just worthy of just mentioning. But the 24 elders are most likely singing their new song. It's a new day. It's a new song of redemption. It's a song they have known personally because they've been redeemed. They are joined by the four living creatures, for sure, which are cherubim. In this, what, however they want to do this, in whatever way the angels express themselves by saying, or if they are particularly at, joined at this point uh, in, in the saying and the singing, I, I don't really know. It's a new song, and this new song, I wish we had time to go through the, the whole book of songs because we find places uh, where it talks about a new song more than it talks about the new life, more than a new creation, new in anything new anything in a, in a song because redemption brings a new song. You, you have like Psalm 33, Psalm 40, Psalm uh, 144, 149. There's just so many places when God gave somebody a new heart, it brings a new song. That's just, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a, a certainty of Scripture. And here's even a new song as they anticipate the final, full, glorious redemption that's going to be uh, seen by the earth as judgments. Uh, chapter, and, and, uh, in fact, in Isaiah, for example, we find uh, several different places, like Isaiah 42, 9. Uh, it says, Now behold, the former things have come to pass. Now I declare new things. Sing to the Lord a new song. And so we find this, this phrase mentioned, so it's not unusual to find this here. That the song says this, and you can look at this, the words of this in, in verse 9 of chapter 5 of the book of Revelation says they sang a new song saying and here it is worthy art thou to take the book and that's just simply speaking of the lamb who is the lion who is the root of David who is the Lord Jesus Christ we've seen that in earlier verses of chapter 5 you are worthy in other words you have the right you have the inherent right because you are God you have earned the right because you have overcome the enemy you have the power you are God's heir you are God's right arm and so, so to speak, 
Uh, yes, you are God. You have the, the worthiness to take the scroll and to break its seals. Not peel the seals, but to break them. That means to enact what is written in it by way of judgment. To take back the universe. And we're going to see that begin to happen next week. I Actually, I'm excited already for next week. I'm wanting to, to just kind of close out this today and, and start for next week. I probably won't do that, but that's what I feel. It means to enact what is written in a way of judgment, to, to take back the universe. And I know that is so difficult. I've had some of you to contact me and say, I just don't understand what that's talking about. But it means that the Christ is going to take back the rightful uh, possession of the universe. It was lost at sin and Satan. And it's as if the world is captive to Satan and Christ reveals step by step by breaking the seals the battle plan by which he is going to conquer the universe and banishes Satan. In other words, he's worthy to do this. He's going to take it back. And remember, we've said this book uh, or this scroll that is here, depending on what version you have, is, is a, 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 like a blueprint of how he's going to take it back. And it's going to be revealed in the how beginning next week as we begin to unwrap chapter 6. 7, 8, 9, all the way through chapter 19. But it says, Why is he worthy? For thou wast slain and did purchase for God with thy blood from men from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. You see, whoever is going to be the king of the earth, whoever is going to be the, the ruler of this earth, whoever is going to be the heir of God had to be slain. The law required that the slaying of a perfect, blameless, spotless lamb. And it was Jesus. Back in verse 6, he was the lamb standing who had been as if slaughtered. Remember it says that. He's the sacrificial substitutionary death uh, represented in Jesus Christ as a lamb on the cross of Calvary. That made him worthy to take the scroll because in the death he redeemed sinners. And that's really what this first part of the song is saying. He did purchase for God without blood men from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. You have the right to redeem your own. You bought them. You have a right to redeem the universe. You made it. You purchased for God with your blood. You paid. Resist what this is. It means you paid the full price. The background of this imagery is the buying of slaves from the marketplace. And, and setting them free. And that, that's really what he's done for us. And so at the cross, the Lord Jesus paid the price to buy us slaves of sin with his own blood from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation and set them free. Uh, he bought them from the slavery of sin and redeemed them to become saints to God for his service and for his worship. He redeemed them from sin, death, hell, However you want to phrase this, Satan, demons, to make them saints to God who share in God's glory. And the price, well, it was his life. He was slaughtered. He was, he was slaughtered on the cross. But then I want you to notice, and it's just a little something here, the difference between uh, a King James Version and the New American Standard Version. And you, you see in verse 9, the New American Standard, and a lot of you have that. Uh, I read this, and it says, Thou was slain and did purchase... For God, with thy blood, men from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. But there is, a, actually, that is not a real good translation. The better translation here is actually the King James Version. Uh, in, in, because the New American Standard leaves us out of verse 9. And so that makes a difference in how it reads. In verse 9 in the King James Version, it reads, Redeemed us to God by your blood. 
uh, out of every kindred, tongue, people, and nation received us. In fact, this is a strong manuscript evidence in the ancient manuscripts for including the word us. It really should be there. I don't know why the New American took it out. New American Standard Version took it out. Uh, the majority of manuscripts, both early manuscripts and late manuscripts, include the word us. And I think it's a very important word. I don't understand why sometimes translators take things out. Sometimes you find out that King James took out some words, and then you'll turn to New American, and there they are. Uh, but I think this is their song. It's a song of redemption, and it makes sense. Angels may be in the background joining and saying and going along with this, but the ones with the harps and the ones with the bowls and the ones who sing this new song of redemption are the elders. And so it's appropriate to include them in the context from the standpoint of us uh, because they're saying, you purchased us, you redeemed us to God by your blood. That's what the redeemed church will say. That's what the raptured church is saying and singing. Uh, and so it, it's, uh, it's, it's very natural for them to say, you redeemed us, the extent of the redemption that is given in verse 9, from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. And I think that all that is saying is that from everywhere, from everywhere across the world. And the Greek for this means out of. You have redeemed us out of every tribe. You have redeemed us out of every tongue, out of every people, out of every nation out from within all of these different groups the redeemed have come. Jesus shed his blood for the whole world. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The assumption is if he loved the world and gave his son, he gave his son for the world he loved, which means the sacrifice of God was sufficient for the whole world. He provided a universal redemption, but only some enjoy its reality. Some out of every tribe, some out of every tongue, some out of every people, some out of every nation. And I know there are going to be some that will say, I disagree with that. I think it means uh, something else. This is not a universalist statement that he has redeemed every tribe and tongue and people and nation. We, we can't say that. No, but out from every one of these. There are four terms, every tribe, tongue, people, and nation. They occur five times in Revelation, and they always refer to all of humanity. It's just a general sense of all of humanity. Out from all of humanity, God through Christ has redeemed souls. Tribes indicates uh, the same descent. Tongue indicates the same language. People indicates the same race. And nation indicates the same culture. So people from every descent, every language, every race, every culture have been redeemed. It's just not that hard to see that. From out of every lineage and out of every language and out of every race and out of every culture, the Lord has redeemed us. Now you can imagine uh, John seeing this and just being overwhelmed with excitement. And in fact, he, that's why he's in the spirit body. I think his flesh could not have handled this. Uh, but I want you to notice in verse 10, uh, that pretty much covers verse 9. But verse 10, Thou hast made them to be a kingdom of priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. Verse 10, Thou hast made them to be a kingdom of priests, and they will reign upon the earth. The word them is interesting to note. Why not us? Well, I don't know. Thou hast made us, maybe because it's a little too narrow. You've got to include more than just the 24 elders here. 
because of the, who are the saints in the church age, raptured and redeemed, but you've also got to include all the Old Testament saints. And then you're going to have to include all of the tribulation saints. They will all be kings and priests to our God and reign upon the earth. And so he uses the third person perhaps because of the vastness of the uh, final comprehensive redemption uh, as far as we can tell. What is the goal of the outcome of this redemption? Uh, we have been made a kingdom of priests to our God. Uh, what a tremendous thing. Then it says kingdom, a community. What is, a, well, what is a kingdom? A community of saints under a sovereign rule. He is our God. We are not part of a kingdom. We are a kingdom. We are a, a royalty under a great king. We share his blood, as it were. We share his royalty. We are joint heirs. We are not part of a kingdom. We are a kingdom. In fact, he is a king, and we are all kings, and we are all reign with him. And then he has the word priest, that we are priests to our God. We will be priests as well that signifies complete access to God. And boy, if we could ever emphasize this among so many religions of the world today that don't teach that. Uh, but it does say this scripturally. This is very true to scripture. Uh, complete access to God. We have boldness to enter the throne of grace. The priest had complete access to God's presence for worship, praise, service, and so forth. In fact, First Peter chapter 2, verses 5 and 9 tells us we're priests unto God, anticipatory of future priesthood, where, that we, when we have total access, perfect communion with God. So we are the redeemed, the 24 elders. Uh, look at the, the verse 11. Uh, for the fourth time in this chapter, John says he sees something. I looked. Well, he's already been looking. But he's just saying this. I, I looked and I heard the voice of many angels uh, I looked, it's a vision, uh, it's almost like a, a second part of the vision, uh, but there's almost like, when this happens, there's like an eruption in heaven, and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, and they sing uh, with a new song, this that we're going through. Uh, the number, it says, is beyond calculation, myriads and myriads and thousands upon thousands. This is the same kind, the phraseology, that Daniel in chapter 7 uses, when he says, I kept looking. Uh, and thrones were set up, and the Ancient of Days took his seat, and the vest, his vesture was like white snow, and his hair was like pure white. His throne was ablaze with flames, its wheels were a burning fire, a river of fire was flowing, and coming out before him, thousands, listen to this, thousands upon thousands were attending him, and myriads upon myriads were standing before him. The court sat, and the books were opened. You know, this is, what, what a scene this is. We, we can't even fathom what this is, but we, we're just reading facts here. But the fact is, this is a vision. This is something that God has initiated to give us so we will know what's happening in heaven and what's about to happen in heaven. And we see the 10,000s of, of, of all these angels that are there. They don't have words for millions and so forth because they didn't count anything it went that high, so they had 10,000s as a word in their vocabulary. So when they wanted to talk about an innumerable number, they would say 10,000s times 10,000s, uh, which I think makes about 100 million. You know, you can't even, really, there's that many people? I mean, angels? Which makes about, a, uh, maybe there's 100 million, maybe there's several hundred million. The thousands and thousands plus however many. In other words, it's innumerable. But verse 12 says, look how verse 12 reads this. Back in Revelation chapter 5, and I had turned over to Daniel, so I have to go back to Revelation chapter 5. 
And in verse 12, it says, Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, riches, wisdom, uh, might, honor, glory, and blessing. Uh, the angels come in. Does it say they sang? Well, what does it say? They say, or they, it actually says, they are saying with a loud voice. When it uh, talks, when it could have said they sang, but it does not. They sing with a loud voice. And notice that God likes everything loud. Uh, this is no justification for the loud music in most a lot of services, but God likes it loud. Have you ever noticed that? He likes everything loud. I hear people say, oh, I don't like the music. It's too loud. But when we get to heaven, you better buckle up because it's going to be loud. Verse 12, saying with a loud voice, it's an interesting thought. Uh, but they're, they're, again, repeating basically the same thing. He is worthy because, remember, the, the search went out. And the lamb was found worthy as the lamb that was slain to receive power. And that phraseology there is all words that relate to the kingdom, uh, wisdom and, and might, and honor, glory, and blessings. Uh, these are seven, as one writer puts, these are seven qualities true of the lamb, true of God. They are the intrinsic to the person of God. In other words, they are within him and the person of the lamb. He doesn't have to receive them. He is them. They aren't given to him. They are him. And all we can do is praise him for what he is. All this greatness of the lamb and the, what he possesses, he is worthy to receive this. And that is the praise for which he already is. Uh, you read that uh, uh, this, and you, you can't help but wonder uh, what this scene must have actually been like. Uh, but I want you to look at, uh, at verse uh, 13. And every created thing which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea and all the things in them, I heard saying to him who sits on the throne. Well, who does that include? Well, I think this is probably a, a good way of saying uh, it is, it, it's everyone. Everyone is going to say. Uh, it, it's, it's just a, an amazing thing to see this, that, that it is so broad. And it says they... Uh, they, in, like in verse 14 says they kept saying this uh, so this is something that is happening but to me the interesting thing is it, it, it is actually going to happen that all this is going to come to pass he is going to receive power riches, wisdom, might honor, glory and blessings every living thing is going to shout out praises to him everything they, they can shout out praises to him for blessings, honor, glory, and dominion forever and ever. It's actually going to happen. The kingdom really is coming, and God will reign. And these four cherubim constitute the amen to that in verse 14. Look at what it says. The four living creatures kept saying, Amen, and the elders fell down and worshipped. Now, how long does this last? Does it last a few seconds? Does it last a few minutes? Does it last what? Well, we don't know because, first of all, there's no clock there in heaven. So we don't really know how long it lasts. But we do know this. It is a very real scene. In fact, it's, a, it's a diametrically opposite from what we see on earth because on the earth, the earth has is experienced already at this point. If you were to look at this scene in heaven drop down to earth and see what's going on on the earth, you will find that the earth has as its uh, beginning point the tribulation period. Well, what does that mean? 
Well, it means that the church raptured has rapture has already happened. All of the true born again believers have already been taken out. The world has already experienced that. Now, how they deal with the missing people, what they believe happened to the missing people, all of that is going on on the earth. And yet, on the scene arises an antichrist, a world leader. They won't know him as an antichrist. They will know him as a world leader, very charismatic. In fact, in a couple of weeks, we're going to take a look at this antichrist and give you what the scripture says about where he's going to come from, what kind of personality he's going to have, or the winsomeness of his nature. (coughs) And it's going to be a tremendously exciting uh, an adventure as we go through that. But next week, chapter 6, as we get into chapter 6, let me just whet your appetite. Look at chapter 6, verse 1. And I saw when the Lamb broke one of the seals. Here we go. This book is about to be opened. Remember, the book is how he's going to take back the earth. First thing out of the gate, he's going to open the first seal. And one of the creatures, four living creatures, that's the cherubim, says with a loud voice of thunder, come. And he's talking to John. And I looked and behold a white horse and he who sat on it had a bow and a crown was given to him and he went out conquering to conquer. What is that? Is that a real horse? Is that a real person? Can this person be seen? Is it a visual effect? What is this? Well, That's coming up next week, and I can't wait. And then you look at verse uh, 3, and he broke the second seal. Verse 5, he broke the third seal. Verse 7, and when he broke the fourth seal. And verse uh, 9, when he broke the fifth seal. And then verse 12, and when he broke the sixth seal. So there you have six seals uh, broken. And boy, it is going to be impactful upon the earth. We're going to see some things that are unbelievable. We get a chance to really look at the scriptures and to see what's in store for the earth. And folks, I'll tell you, some people say it's exciting, and I don't really, I mean, it's interesting, uh, but boy, it's traumatic what's going to happen upon the earth. I mean, it's not a pretty picture at all. It's, It's a frightening thing that this world has got to go through. So I certainly hope you will read this, stay in touch, stay in tune with this, and uh, be a part of this next week as we will bring chapter 6. But for this part, chapter 5, verses 9 through uh, 14, uh, this closes out this section of praise and and all in heaven. And the next thing will be, heaven will be unleashing its judgment upon the earth. So again, I thank you for joining Hope for the Heart. And again, this is William Rogers speaking. And uh, I, I, I appreciate you listening in. And remember, don't take your Bible for granted. Keep it and open it and read it. Never take it for granted. Because you may be one day, we don't know how bad it's going to get in America, but they may take our Bibles. We just don't know. So stay true to the Lord. Uh, pray for one another and other believers uh, and that the Word of God will go out and that loss will come to know Christ. Uh, I challenge you to do that and also to be back next week. Thank you again for joining Hope for the Heart.